you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Around the NFL podcast is putting its Josh Allen apology form in the mail. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I come to you from a virtual room filled with heroes Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal, and Chris Wessling. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Hey, Christoph. <laughs> Back. One calls him Christoph. How you feeling, buddy? My uh, my French club did. Ooh, there you go. <laughs> Senior year of high school. Greg what a thinks club he's that was. Totally up to date on the Chris Wessling wiki, uh, <laughs> but apparently not. Yeah, when I would bring the brie, then it was Christoph. Did you retain a lot of French? None. Okay. No, I remember hey. reading the uh, the Little Prince in French, mm. and that was the highest of my French acumen ever got. While eating so, brie and drinking some nice red wine, potentially? Chianti. No, that's Italian. Mm. <laughs> so you revealed uh, last week at this time, Wes, that you had lost two iPads <laughs> to the bathtub um, during um, long uh, rests that turn into slumbers uh, while submerged in the water. Uh, did we lose any more iPads this week in the past seven days? We have not lost any. I've, I've sort of chilled on the baths for a while. They now, haven't you, really. I get the feeling that the listeners would reach out to you with some different ideas, maybe to help you. Oh, what, God. what did you get? I got so many offers. One woodworker pro- vowed that he would just let him know what dimensions of my bathroom are, and, and he'll he'll mm. whip something up that will suit all my needs. I had many people offering um, bathroom caddies, which Keisha has one, but um, for my purposes, I take notes while I'm watching the game, so I need to have my hands free. Mm. I need to actually be able to hold the iPad in my hands so I can't really use a bath caddy. Um, I've just decided to take fewer baths. I thought the, the the woman that said she just text her anytime you need someone to just hold it for you. Right. I'd that was that going direction. too far. That was going too far. Oh, I didn't know if she was going to be clothed or not while she was doing that function. <laughs> it, it seems like what we're, we don't need right now are woodworkers. What we need is big tech. To step in here, maybe get you a Tom Cruise Minority Report type touchscreen that's in front of the bathtub, but also will not electrocute you. 
uh, because we don't need another challenge for you, Wes, physically. Electrocution, keep it out of the mix. No, I, I think Big Tech should get on board. They should sponsor the show. I don't know if there is such a company called Big Tech, but <laughs> but uh, if they could whip up something for my needs, I'd appreciate it. Umbrella term. Many, many companies under that yeah. umbrella that would be should be willing to help and uh, excited all, to. They should all we, link arms and come together. We should start a company called Big Tech. And then we just let it let Finally. it sit there. It has it's got the umbrella, it's got the corporate name. If somebody wants to come at us to buy it out because they love the name so much because it's a name that probably no one thought to actually name their company, but if they would have thought of it, it would have been a billion dollar idea. We all right. I declare that big tech is the name of our company, so that locks us in from a legality standpoint. Good. Big tech. All right. All right. Now, on to the business of week 12 in the NFL. Strange Sunday we're about to dig into. Some some epic stinky eggs were laid uh, across the league by uh, would-be contenders, potential pretenders in the league. Also, this feels like the first... Sunday, Greg, where the NFL, which has danced through the raindrops on COVID-19 to this point, where it really felt like COVID-19 impacted uh, the league in a way that it hasn't before. And we are not out of the woods yet because we don't even know if uh, a week 18 is going to have to come into play right now as we tape this Steelers Ravens still on the books. But we learned today that there was yet another positive test uh, in the Ravens building. Yeah. And I think if that game is played, it just... Then there's the next week. I think this is going to... Hopefully every week isn't as um, last minute and crazy as this one is, but I, I think this is just the world we're living in for the next, the rest of the season, really. It is not pleasant, but this is uh, the hand that we've been dealt as football fans and as members of society. As and- Americans, I would say. We can put it on us <laughs> yeah. as a country. Feels right. us. Very uh, American-esque. But those of us uh, that work for big tech can tell you that we're working toward a solution, so stay tuned. All right, let's get to the games, beginning with a big intra-conference showdown. Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, only one quarterback looked like a star. Second and four for the Chiefs. Mahomes, snap at his belt, works the right boundary. Tyreek Hill over the shoulder, touchdown, Kansas City, and continues Carlton Davis's nightmare day and the wonderful game for Tyreek Hill, a 20-yard reception, perfectly thrown football over the shoulder of the cheetah who's putting on a clinic in front of a national audience. Mitch Holtis with the call, WDAF, yes. Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill, there is no more terrifying twosome in football. Hill had 204 yards and two touchdowns after one quarter. And he scored for a third time, as you just heard, in the Chiefs' 27-24 win over the Bucks in Tampa. Uh, this was, uh, boys, another nearly flawless performance by Mahomes, who accounted for... Almost 500 yards of offense. He capped his afternoon by stealing Tony Romo's heart with a, uh, with a series of perfectly executed plays to run out the clock after the Bucks pulled within a field goal with about four or so minutes to play. And he, fit, he, he iced the game in a fitting manner, converting on a first down throw to Tyreek Hill, who finished with a 13-269-3 slash line on 15 <laughs> targets, an all-time single-game uh, performance, uh, one of the great performances against the quality defense, West to boot. 
Oh, yeah. Carlton Davis, poor guy. He was on my all-pro watch list with, you know, a guy Mark can tell you, Denzel Ward, who's having an all-pro cornerback season in Cleveland, Jair Alexander in Green Bay. And his all-pro bid went up in smoke today when the Bucks tried to get him to play one-on-one with no safety help for a quarter. And that quarter ended up with 200 yards. I mean, it was the game was over by then. I guess the Bucks made made it interesting at the end, but it reminded me of uh, I played uh, flag football for a couple of years in my early twenties, uh, and it was a co-rec league. So we're not talking about like college. Wait, athletes. wait, Wes, hold your thought, um, Erica. Can we get some story time music underneath this for Wes? Go ahead, Chris. <laughs> As a co-rec league, so we're not talking about like Division One college type of prospects here, but I imagine in the finals we went up against a pair of wide receivers who were both in the six-two-six-three range, <laughs> and I imagine maybe some small college experience in their past. And I had been playing number one cornerback all year until that game, and halfway through it was just obvious that I could not, no matter what I did, I could not stop anything they wanted to do at all. They did everything they wanted to do on the field. And, you know, just like the pirate ship lady in Tampa Bay today looks so morose because everyone in that building could see that nobody could cover Tyreek Hill. Everybody on my team looked morose because I had to be taken out of there and we needed to switch things up. I could not athletically compete with, with these superior people. And that's how Carlton Davis was with, with Tyreek Hill today. Well, Greg, let me let me throw it to you off that. So Carlton Davis, that's not just... On him, Tyreek Hill's a hard man to cover, and Antoine Winfield Jr., who's had a really nice year as well, did not give him the help that he needed. Uh, but in general, this is seems like a scheme issue as well. Your Bolzasans takes a major hit, I would think, as well here. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to breaking this down more. But I would say at the end of the day, like every defense that plays the Chiefs is kind of choosing the way that they want to die. And they rolled with a guy, Carlton Davis, and that type of coverage. That's the way they decided to die early. In the end, you know, the Chiefs scored 27 points, and they're forced to punt uh, three straight times in the second half. That doesn't happen too often. In the year, you know, 2020, uh, maybe that's your defense giving you about as good a chance against the Chiefs as you can hope for. Not that, you know, you want to give up 560 yards, but that you just do something. But it, it really feels almost like an unstoppable offense. You need them to make mistakes. You need to come up with big plays. That's how Bulls thought they were going to do it. didn't work. I, I was watching this, and it kind of dawned on me, although they could have dawned on me two months ago. It would have been appropriate also that, Oh, yeah, we're going through this incredibly bizarre season with all these um, uh, really unprecedented twists and turns, but it's just going to end with the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. It's just, it's, I, I, I'm just utterly convinced, and uh, you can try to hard sell someone else that I know how we do this. We've got to act like we've got to go through all the motions, but um, <laughs> barring like. How about the fact that they can't, that they always let these teams back in these games? Two point win over the Panthers. I'm fine with uh, that. A couple points last week, three points. Like, that is a different way to be done. Nobody, nobody who watched today's game thought the Chiefs were ever in jeopardy. Right, right. And I mean, I, I would, I feel like my feelings about the Bucks have declined. I, um, they're balanced and stuff, but can you can you imagine them winning like as a wild card team four straight games to get to to get to the Super Bowl to win the you, Super Bowl? You didn't go on the emotional roller coaster that Tony Romo went on from at the beginning of the game, saying the Bucks have no chance unless they start running more of Tom Brady's New England offense. To at the end of the game, coming right back around and saying, by the way, they came back. 
they have a very good chance of meeting on this very field against the Chiefs in a couple of months. Well, the Chiefs, that was a huge win for the Chiefs' number one seed chances, which really does matter. If you look at the rest of their schedule, uh, they do have to go to New Orleans. They have to go to Miami. Two two pretty tricky games. Obviously, the Saints game is tough. If they lost this game, I don't think they would have any chance left because you look at the Steelers, it's just hard to see two losses for the Steelers. So the Chiefs have to keep winning these games to get the one seed. Yeah, and I think that would be because I know there are Steelers fans that are yelling at their um, podcast playing device when Mark's saying that we're undefeated, we're undefeated. We should be taken seriously as well as a, a heavy Super Bowl favorite right now. So I, I, I think at the end of the day, though, I, I agree that there's no one better than the Chiefs, and and it continues to feel reductive saying it. But Patrick Mahomes just you know, and like I said, Rome's Romo was completely a flutter. Um, as Mahomes expertly ran out that clock, uh, keeping plays alive. He's such an under, underrated scrambler because he has, you know, all-world, uh, you know, all-time level arm talent in terms of accuracy and arm strength and his ability to throw from different angles and off his back foot and flat-footed. You forget about how how savvy he is running with the football. He doesn't have... I guess the highest speed levels when you measure him up against the Kyler Murrays of the world, but his ability to know exactly when to go, know exactly when to get down, never make a mistake in terms of running out of bounds and costing a team. He's just the perfect quarterback. Well, I mean, there's his, no his, other way to look at it. His quarterback IQ quarterback. also. I mean, like in the fact that he's paired with Andy Reid, I mean, it, it matters where you land as a prospect, but he's mm. the perfect quarterback with the perfect coach. And you can only imagine what kind of like uh, notes they send each other over time text about football deep in the middle of the night it's going to be something that you could write a book about someday he's clearly worked on his scrambling between last year and this year I think the whole year this year he has been so decisive knowing exactly when the defense turns its back that he can go and he has taken advantage of that mm. all year this year it was it was the greatest quarterback of all time and Tom Brady on the same field together <laughs> what a game he turns on the man that gave him everything in New England. My last thought on the game before we move on is how close uh, this came from this came to not being a connection, the Tyreek Hill Patrick Mahomes connection. It was last summer when Tyreek Hill was mired in legal issues uh, that were, you know, on him, obviously, with a domestic violence situation. And it seemed very close to being a, one of those situations where he ends up out of the league and he disappears for a while, maybe pops up again later, but he's on a different team. The way it played out for the Chiefs was they, they stuck with him. The legal process worked its way out, and now it seems like it's ancient history. But last year, it did not feel like Tyreek Hill was necessarily part of the future for the Chiefs. He is here now, and he is impossible right. to Right, and I think the player you described is Antonio Brown to some degree, who is floating around after years of bizarre stuff. So he was on the field also. And was not it? doing much. Not doing much. All right. And one last thought. Isn't that, wasn't that a weird game, though? How at 27-24, that game felt like it should have been 42-20. to And here are the Bucks, one third down stop away from getting the ball back with a chance to tie or win. That... I don't know. I was watching the game. I felt like it was in the Twilight Zone or something. It was like a Black Mirror episode. A lot of games like that today. How how did that happen? I don't know. Maybe it's just all the weirdness in the world and sitting in my living room as it's getting dark and I don't have any lights on and the game's not. I mean, it's just weird times. Weird times. Let's move on. Here's Henry on the right side to the 10. Henry to the 5. Henry to the end zone. Touchdown, Titans. That's three. 
for double two, Derrick Henry. <laughs> Mike Keith having fun. WGFX with the call. Derrick Henry went off for 140 yards and three touchdowns in the first half alone. And the Titans hit cruise control from that point onward, whipping the Colts 45-26. to And they take sole possession of first place in the AFC South. Mark, this game felt like the Titans sent a message to a rival. I think so. And it, it makes me think twice about the Thursday night game that we mentioned on our preview show uh, where there were just a lot of special teams, gaffes and weirdness. And it kind of, um, you know, it took, I think it, that game took the, the Titans out of their, out of their mode a little bit. And this one, I mean, the Colts, it, this thing at halftime, it was clearly so clearly over that I am not, you know, I'm not too proud to say that I barely just scanned the second half for any hints of life from Indianapolis. And I think they were mentally broken by Derrick Henry and what the Tennessee did in the first half that they, they never climbed back into this. And, you know, it kind of reminded me of, of like the other side of the sandwich or cookie or whatever you'd want to say to the Tyreek Hill game because Derrick Henry, like, had essentially the kind of game you'd want, you'd, you'd be thrilled at, like, over the course of an affair, it would be an incredible contest. And he, did it in, and he did it in 30 minutes, and he did it in such a dominating fashion. And it was also A.J. Brown and Ryan Tannehill. And we talked about, is there concern about a team like this that's basically just built around three or four guys? Like, it's Henry, it's Ryan Tannehill, it's A.J. Brown. I have no problem with it when they play this way. They just, they seem like a very mentally tough team to me. This was, uh, there was a corona factor to this. I think this game would have looked different with DeForest Buckner on the field. And And Danico Autry Autry was out as well. And so that's, I think that, you know, Tennessee found a vulnerability. Um, That doesn't always mean it's going to work. It worked beautifully. And, I mean, the Colts, it's almost like one of those bury the ball games. Take the game tape, throw it out a window, and move on because it was it was humili- a humiliating loss for the Colts. Well, if the Titans win this division and now they're in you know good shape, just one up, that second quarter, that first half, really thirty five points and three hundred fifty yards. That that's going to be the division right there. And yeah, so, sometimes with all this Corona stuff, it's going to be when you play a team. You know, the Saints basically got a bye today because, you know, they would have won that. They probably would have won that game anyways. People get a little carried away. But, you know, they play a Colts team who their defensive line to me, other than those special teams um, woes, were kind of the key in that first game. Uh, was their defensive line beating the Titans' offensive line. And they lose by far their best player, and I would say easily their second best player on the defensive line. And doesn't doesn't excuse it. The Titans have a million things wrong with them. They've been crushed by injuries and corona too. So that's just, that's just how it is. But that's part of the reason why the matchup plays out the way it does today, and now the Colts are in some trouble. I don't think we've seen the Titans' defense at its best this year. And to me, this has clearly been the best team in the division all year long. You can say the Colts... But I think the Titans, the way they play, they play sort of like we're used to the Ravens playing, where they come in and they out-physical you. They dare you to match their toughness. And we saw it happen today. To me, they've been the class of that division all year. I'm totally with you. And I think if you look at something about like Derrick Henry, to do what you're doing as a running back year after year to surge down the stretch like this, like hats off to your conditioning, uh, the way he treats his body, because, I mean, he is, to me, I think he's, he should get MVP, MVP votes. I mean, I know we won't probably in the way this, the way this league runs, but um, he's, he is their MVP, and he's the MVP of, you know, to me, he's top five on that, in that list. He, he, I mean, the way he's 
build, just his build, and in addition, obviously, how hard he works and obviously does. This is just his time of year. We've seen it now. This will be the third straight year where he's just going to roll through defenses uh, that are compromised by injuries and this year COVID. And as long as they give him the ball and he stays healthy, he's going to continue to rack up these monster games. I think he'll win a rushing title going away again. So I thought, yes, obviously, DeForest Buckner was one of the you know biggest acquisitions any team made this season, and he solidified that Colts defense in the way they exactly needed. So you take him out of that mix, uh, there's going to be big problems. But Henry was beating him every which way, whether it was going up the middle or going around. And I just thought that was such a show Mm. of might by their um, offense in the first half. They had 346 yards, 173 yards passing, 173 yards rushing, 35 points at halftime. They just have a higher gear than any of these AFC South teams, including the Colts. Um, That's why I thought they had a a good chance to win this game. And now I I just I don't see them with Henry involved and his ability to close out games uh, and wear out defenses. They just seem to me like they're going to get to 10 or 11 mm-hmm. wins and, and take this division. And I, and I think that, that you mentioned that 173 mirror run pass in the first half. They're balanced, too. It's not just the run game. I mean, there were a couple big big plays through the air, too. So I, I'm with you. I really like them in the AFC. Um, they play Cleveland next week, and I don't. I think we're going to find out what the better mm. of those two teams pretty pretty quickly. Down 11 in Baltimore in the fourth quarter. That, that to me, is it was a, a pivotal moment in this AFC playoff race for those two teams. For them to come back on Baltimore last week kind of ch- just changes the trajectory of those two teams. They're home against the Browns. If they can beat the Browns and they're two eight and three teams, uh, then they get the Jaguars and Lions after that. So they are things are set up at eight and three for them uh, to have a home game in the playoffs. Now they just got to take care of business, and the Colts need to get some guys back on the field. Let's move up. Cousins back to pass, fires to the end zone. Yes, touchdown Vikings. Chad Beebe. Well done. Your first National Football League touchdown has made everybody forget about the moth. Ah. And it's tied the game at 27. Chad Beebe. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Ricky. Uh, KFAN, Paul Allen, of course, with the call. Not the Paul Allen that was murdered by um, the American Psycho actor, uh, character Patrick Bateman. That should be noted as well. Kirk Cousins capped a seven-play, 75-yard drive with a touchdown strike to Chad Beebe, who only minutes before seemed to doom Minnesota with a muff punt that gave Carolina the ball deep in Vikings territory with two minutes to play. But Beebe scored, uh, was followed by yet another long-range miss at the gun by Joey Sly, and it allowed the Vikings to escape with a 28-27 win. Their playoff hopes are alive. I saw some... Um, analytics predictor saying they have a 21% chance of making the playoffs. Well, Only been, one back. Yeah, well, it would have been very close to zero, I think, if they uh, did not find a way uh, to win this game. And they did everything possible, everything possible to blow their season today. Uh, their defense got ripped up by the Panthers running game without Christian McCaffrey. They had eight penalties for 52 yards, Minnesota. They turned the ball over three times, including back-to-back fumbles that got returned for scores on consecutive plays from scrimmage. (laughs) Um, You had no Adam Thielen, COVID-19, out. 
Uh, Dalvin Cook was held uh, held down for most of the day, and he was a little banged up too. Uh, missed some time with a lower body injury on that second fumble that went for the score. So I just want to say, Kirk Cousins, good for you, man. You're playing. You know, I mean, no one's Patrick Mahomes, but if you want to stack up games over the past month or so, he is stacking up big time performance after big time performance. Uh, and to do it today without Adam Thielen, when Dalvin Cook was not there to to make the big plays, to go seven plays and 75 yards to save your season with no timeouts, uh, that was just a big-time performance by Cousins. I don't know if the Vikings make the playoffs, but I will say that um, this is the type of win uh, that makes you believe because they were hmm. dead in the water and they found a way uh, to survive. Had they Had they lost this... I think Jeremy Chin, the Panthers rookie defensive back, um, would be the story of the game. He is the first player. He took those two fumbles to the house and back-to-back drives. The first player to do that since Fred Dippy Evans in 1948. Dippy! Give us something on Dippy, Wes. Never heard of him. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like he had an interesting hairdo, though. I mean, you can assume certain things if your nickname as an adult is Dippy. I don't know (laughs) how much respect you're garnering with the people around you. I was I was disappointed though. I mean, you know, team narrative, team Teddy Two Gloves, Teddy Bridgewater. It, you know, they had their struggles. If they get a first down late, you know, before they you know kick the field goal, you know, they they probably win this game. But he gets the ball back after they've collapsed with forty three seconds left and no timeouts at the thirteen, and gets them in position with three throws. For Joey Sly to go kick the game winner, and Joey Sly yanked it. It's like you can miss uh, a game winner, but when you show your nerves with your kick, then it's got to be tough for Joey Sly to be going to the kicker club because he missed it by about 35 feet, and it was indoors. It was, uh, in fairness, it was, I believe, a 53-yard attempt, so it was... It wasn't a chip. I know, but he missed it by like 40 yards. But he, he did. He totally he yanked, yanked it. it. He yanked it. Yeah, he, sure. Like they keep putting him up for these huge he, kicks. Every week he's kicking like a 58-yarder <laughs> or 60-yarder. Yeah, he's got to stay in the kicker club because at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, he's the only one that can stand with Justin Tucker in, in a length competition. No, that's true. It's important to have someone there to push him that way. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, and the Panthers, I mean – that's that's a tough spot. The defense. But I mean, Teddy uh, returning to Minnesota it just would have been it just would have been nice for them. They finally get a bye. Them and the Bucks are the only teams that have played twelve games. It's crazy. Exactly. So poor, poor Kirk Cousins. Nobody's gonna give him any credit for that game because it happened on a Sunday afternoon. But at the end of the day, all you did was beat a rebuilding Carolina Panthers team on a Sunday afternoon. So that's the way it goes when you're Kirk Cousins. Beat, yeah, beat somebody better. That's true. And Justin Jefferson uh, continues uh, to be a menace to opposing defenses. He had two more touchdowns in this game, and they flashed up uh, the Fox telecast, a side-by-side comparison of the rookie seasons of Justin Jefferson and Randy Moss, and they were very similar. Now, Randy Moss obviously was a a once-in-a-generation player uh, and a superior player, most likely, to Justin Jefferson, but it does – it really does give you some perspective because Moss also hit the league uh, like a hurricane when he came in in 1998. All right, let's move on. Pepper snap. Wisnowski has it down. Robbie Gold. The Golden. team of Zeus Diel lives. And good! Mm. The 49ers have beaten the L.A. Rams again! 
twice this year, twice last year. <laughs> Sweep them up, baby. <laughs> Craig Papa and Tim Ryan. They're like Sessler. They don't like the Rams. KNBR with the call. <laughs> the 49ers defense got one final stop on defense. They drove to plus territory, then celebrated when Robbie Gold's field goal attempt went through the uprights at triple zeros. Final score 23 to 20. The Niners, yes, sweep the Rams. And Mark, as hard as it is to believe, with all the challenges they've had this season, they are in the playoff hunt. Yeah, they're in the hunt, and it, it they look like a different team when they get some of these guys back. And I, I thought the story of the game for their offense was Debo Samuel absolutely leveled the Rams' defense. He had catches of 33 yards, 26, another 26-yarder, a huge 24-yarder on their final drive that set, helped set up that field goal, and another four-yarder on that drive. So Debo Samuel, you know, they're very challenged with Nick Mullins, a quarterback. I mean, he is what he is. But Debo found a way to get open. Um, that was a big part of this game. And it does feel like the Niners understand how to play Jared Goff. It, it, was, it was more of the same where every couple of weeks you get the Jared Goff game where he had two bad picks, um, he had a fumble, they were all over him. And it was the opposite of what we've seen when they've been hot, where like Cooper Cup and Woods are going off. It was just, it, they, they couldn't get um, unspooled. There was, a, there was a series, there was a section of drives in this game where they went, let me check this out, an inter- a golf interception, a punt, a punt, a punt, a fumble, a pick, a punt, a punt. They could not get anything going until Cam Akers ripped off a big run that really, you know, they, they, they kind of found themselves too late in the game in the fourth quarter. And I, I like the Rams are a good team, but we kind of, we talked about this, how this could happen, how there was, there was a complete table setting for Kyle Shanahan to do this to Sean McVay. And McVay was a little irritated after the game and I thought spoke pretty pointedly about Jared Goff saying that our quarterback has to protect the ball better. I mean, lost in this was an Aaron Donald defensive player of the year um, argument once again. He was he was absolutely dominant. And, you know, the Niners, are they they squeaked out a win here, but it was it, it came very close because of what Aaron Donald was able to do. I think the world of the Rams defense this year, I think they're phenomenal. Um, but their offense has been smoking years all smoking mirrors all year, and I think it's catching up to them. They Sean McVay has called great offensive game plans, but a lot of it is misdirection and play action and tricking defenses and what they're doing before the snap. And how long can you do that every week? I don't think you can. And I think you see 49ers give them credit for their defense playing awesome. Their whole team is banged up, and you see what happens when they get a guy like Debo Samuel back. They get Raheem Mostert back. They're they're every bit a playoff contender if they have mm. a healthy George Kittle yep. and if they if they have their guys healthy, they are every bit a playoff. Contender. It has to be the biggest what if season out there because it there's a lot of them. So there's there's competition, but and, it, Richard Sherman what made a huge difference. These are guys they've been without for months, you know. And they get Ayuk back, but this was totally on Goff. I'm not surprised McVay finally came down on him a little bit. I think it was, other than the Super Bowl, the most disappointing game of Goff's career. Because it was, a to me, it was like almost 100% on him. The, the, the interceptions and, and the fumble are so bad. But he also missed open throws. He was tentative. And you do worry with Goff that you're seeing some of the same problems, which is when he gets knocked down, you know, how does he react? Does he go into a shell? 
how about your team like Aaron Donald picks you up, scores a defensive touchdown? How about your running game? Cam Akers busts one open for you, scores a touchdown, puts you in the lead. They hadn't, he hadn't done anything. Then they get the ball two more times in the fourth quarter with the lead or in a tie game. And again, he can't get it done, misses throws. When they lost to the 49ers the first time, the 49ers kind of took their lunch money. And Goff said after the game, he wasn't worried because his problems in that game were accuracy. And that shouldn't be a problem for me. Well, it was today. Like, he wasn't accurate. And that's, it's, I don't, we don't need to have a Jared Goff conversation every game. He's had some good moments this year, but this game was totally on him. And you don't want your quarterback to be the reason you can't beat your rival when they're totally beleaguered. Like, if they can't beat him now, when can they beat him? And right. it's really on Goff. And you also you pump life back into that rival who's basically seeming to be down and out. And now you give them life. You put them back in the picture. You essentially, of course, you don't wipe it out, but those are two great wins in back-to-back weeks. Uh, that they were coming off against rivals, and now you're now you have this loss. And yeah, I think with McVay, he's obviously a very smart guy. He's one of the best young minds in football. He sees what his team is that this is one of the best defenses in the league. The offense is not like the offense from a couple of years ago, so they need to play smart and take advantage of opportunities and take advantage of short fields that their defense might give them. But when you're turning the ball over four times, that's that's how you screw yourself because mm. then you you negate some of the things that make you great. So Jared Goff is supposed to be the veteran passer who's supposed to keep things in order and be Sean McVay's eyes and ears on the field, and he's not there for him. So I'm not surprised either that McVay lit a little fire under him uh, with a little public undressing. Mm. I'm I'm glad you mentioned Donald too because that was one of the best games he's played all year, which is saying something to me. It's like stop looking for reasons not to give him the defensive player of the year if he's the best defensive player. To me, he is. Um, I wouldn't say it's over. TJ Watt, no respect. I would say he's. You know, it's a race, um, but it's just different. You know, it's one of the all-time greats playing playing lights out. So I mean, I it's it's him and TJ Watt and Miles Garrett and yeah. Fr- frankly, if you're Miles I'll, Garrett, and you chance. lose two games to Corona, like you're probably knocked out of that race to some degree. I just feel like Watt's owed one from last year, and he's been even better this year. And I, and he might get it because of that. That does happen that way. Listen to this DPOY talk. Everyone's <laughs> pumped up. Let's move forward. <laughs> Took their lunch money. It's embarrassing. Josh's gonna throw it behind him. I just think Reeves should have won in 2009. Gabriel Davis oh, yeah. touchdown, touchdown Buffalo. Cole Beasley to Gabriel Davis. How about that? John Murphy, a little squeaky. WGR. Oh, those cheeky bills. Cole Beasley took the backwards pass and then hurled the oblong sphere forward for a 20-yard touchdown to Gabby Davis. The highlight real play for the Bills' 27-17 win over the Chargers. Greg, uh, Buffalo takes one step closer to the AFC East title. You like what you saw today? I did. I thought they were as close as they could get to their first like complete game of the year. Coming out of a bye, I was like, can this defense show us something different down the stretch? They did. One of their best games of the year. Their running game has been a problem all year. They go you know, 30 for 172. Very good. <laughs> then they have three turnovers and seven plays with Josh Allen throwing one of the worst interceptions you've ever seen and also fumbling the ball in the fourth quarter and just begged the Chargers to kind of come back into this. The Bills' defense held up. That gives you just a little bit of pause um, that like, okay, you didn't quite put it all together. Not that I'm worried about Josh Allen and their offense, but his decision-making, we've, we've talked about it. it. It's been a problem at times. Um, and today I think he was one for two on passes thrown for more than 10 yards. So, you know, you're going to have 
to expand the offense. They they usually do. I'm not that worried. I'd be more excited if I'm a Bills fan at the fact that they got eight QB hits, eight passes defense, seven tackles for loss, three sacks. It looked like the Bills defense from 2019. It seems like we talked about, you know, someone needs to get on Justin Herbert early and make life difficult. It, that appears to what, to what happened today. I mean, they, they, he, he seemed uncomfortable. He was. That's two That's out of the last three, three weeks. They've yeah. done some pretty good jobs against him. And he, he, here's the thing with Herbert. Like, he still made some great plays against pressure. I mean, you didn't watch this game and think, like, the quarterback imbalance was the reason they lost. But they did make him uncomfortable. There were some miscommunications, some drops, too. Uh, but they showed him a lot. And uh, and it was. I think if you're a Bills fan, that's what you want to see is the secondary. And Tredavious White making a big-time interception just at the moment where you thought maybe the Chargers are going to come back and steal this thing. The Bills didn't pass 100 yards passing until deep into the third quarter, but they ran for 172 yards, which was the second highest rushing total of the season. And I think that's notable because if you followed them during their, what must have felt like an endless bye week coming off the um, Hale Murray uh, in Glendale. Feels like uh, four years ago. It does. (laughs) Some bye weeks feel longer than others. And the bills felt like it was about (laughs) six months long, but uh, you know, they had been talking up. We need to get this running game going. We need to get it going. So putting up 172, that's a nice start. Uh, we thought this was going to be a air attack between Josh Allen and uh, Herbert, as you said, and they uh, combined for 451 yards. So, again, we are in the black mirror week of uh, the NFL. Well, they did, they did have about a 50-yard defensive pass interference penalty that yep. set up the first touchdown. And I like what you said about the running game. I don't feel like the Bills have run in any game impressively before today. Right, and Allen's running was a big, big part of it today. He had some big first downs uh, with his run. Singletary reminded me of Brian Westbrook a little bit last year. Has not reminded me of Brian Westbrook at all this year. (laughs) And I thought Moss was slow this year, so... It'd be nice to see if he looked like he's got some playmaking ability. And and Anthony and uh, Dan, I know you're kind of on Anthony Lynn watch. Um, <laughs> yes, yes, Greg, as you speak with your hands over your face. Well, it was people it can was, hear yeah, that. It was a tough one. <laughs> it was tough. A man, he's got it. He's just so bad with the clock stuff. I mean, he's one of the worst. And Do it, they still have there. clock guys? You can't guys? be that in 2020, though. It's, it was it, it was at the end assistance? of the at the end of the first half. It was crazy. There's just a lot of confusion. At the end of the game, there was a lot of confusion. Herbert's confused. He's confused. He's indecisive. He waits. Um, and so that this is happening a lot. And I don't think they would have won the game or anything, but it's just they got to clean it up. I, I don't know. Like that's It's a consistent problem. It, it, speaking of wasting a, a great effort, uh, Joey Bosa, one of the best games any defensive player had all year. He's been a monster the last couple of weeks since he came back from his injury. He was just all over Best Josh Allen. If, if, right, if you're looking for a reason Josh Allen didn't have a big day, it was Joey Bosa. Tough week for LA football heads. <laughs> what was that, Mr. Uh, Sessler? It's a tough week for LA football heads. Mm. Mm. PR tough machine's going to have to be put into overdrive to, you know, get back get to get to a nice shiny another Sunday. Put that on a T-shirt. Oh, Let's Greg's like on. covering his mouth while he's trying to, you know, I, I find it, Anthony Lynn. He's like, yeah, you didn't do too well. That's not it. It's because I find it so obviously I like anyone who watched Hard Knocks. We like the guy. But right. It's, it, but, you know, nothing pains me than some bad clock management. And the yeah. Chargers, I would put as the worst team in the entire NFL in clock management. And it's just every week yes. at this point. And they're too talented to be three and eight. 
Mm-hmm. They got Austin Eckler back today, and he, and he got about 120, 130 total yards. That's big. They they look like a talented team. I mean, you're not going to have Derwin James, so you just have to deal with that. But they're too talented to be three and eight. Their record should be flipped. You know, like 15 years ago, I remember there was the the sideline coach or assistant whose job was to help the coach with the with the clock. Did they did they kind of phase that out because it made the head coaches look weak? If not, if they did, bring it back because some of these guys need it. Bring back the clock assistant. They need it more now than ever. The game is more complex now more than ever, and teams are able to do much more in 30 seconds than they ever could. I always assume there's people in your ear telling you about all that. Is it really just on Andy Reid, like when everyone's killing him? I could totally be bought out of my contract. The NFL media would not put up a fight. They'd be like, please, go, take (laughs) him. Call call me up, Anthony. I just thought of the first big (laughs) idea for big tech. Uh, that we clone 32 Greg Rosenthal's and make put them on every sideline. I feel like that's going to have horrific uh, uh, effects on your life personally, Greg. When there's 31, well, I guess there'd be. I guess you'd still be here, but then we'd make 32 of you, so there'd be 33. But I would think the 32 would probably gang together to kill you. For some I reason. mean, the, the implications for what it could mean for humanity, the level of like annoyingness that would just go up in the country, it'd be a lot. To it ask. feels like too many Gregs. <laughs> a lot of instigation. Um, big tech off to a shaky start. Let's move on. <laughs> Cardona will snap it back. Bailey pretty turns good IP, to Cardona. Though. The snap in place. Swing of the right leg. Kick driven to the uprights. The kick is good. His second game winner of the season. And the Patriots prevail at the buzzer over Arizona by a 20-17 final. You have life. <laughs> Boy, do you have life. Was that the bruised and battered and thoroughly beaten Scott Zolak? I believe it was. I imagine he was dressed, he was disheveled with a, a big bushy gray beard. And a bottle with three X's on it. As he I'd like to see you like say this to Zolak's face. It's not a small man, Zan. Not a small man. <laughs> Greg continues to do the good PR work. All right, Bob Sochi and Scott Zolak with the call. I'm just saying it's probably been a tough season for Scott. We haven't heard from him much. Nick Folk kicked a 50-yard field goal as time expired, and the Patriots rallied in the second half to beat the Cardinals 20-17. to Mark, Cam Newton's numbers were ugly in this game, and the Pats couldn't even clear 180 yards of offense, and yet they found a way. Yeah, and it was just minutes before that Zane Gonzalez had missed a 45-yard field goal that, um, you know, in minutes before that, that Erica was super annoyed at Cam Newton for one of his many gaffes today. But that missed field goal... I mean, enough with that, Erica. Every time Cam Newton makes a mistake, we do not need you... To pop up in a text saying how much you hate him. He, I didn't say I hate him, but he is not good. He is not good. I agree and with I you And I get it. This. He does not have the weapons. He doesn't have this. I'm he doesn't with, have that. I'm done with I'm Greg sick of trying it. to say it, he's good. Yeah, it has nothing to do with it. He makes mistake after mistake. And and every time you need him to come up with something, he doesn't. And I'm sick of it. Sick of he him. He had a terrible year. <laughs> All right. You know what? I apologize, Eric. It's, your, your exact text was, you can't tell me that Cam Newton doesn't suck. And then a follow-up text, he sucks so bad. (laughs) 
Well, <laughs> it's more just that, like, it, I feel like the, 100% of the game texts this year about from Erica are about Cam. I think that's what you're getting at. There's nothing else. It's There's only anger. It's only Cam. All right, Mark, go ahead. He's only slightly polarizing. Well, he didn't suck quite as much after that missed field goal because he, they, they got the ball back, you know, very little time. He races for a first down. And then Isaiah Simmons belted him out of bounds, and that was a 15-yard flag that basically a helmet-to-helmet shot that set up the pathway to have the game-winning field goal. Um, other than that, the offense was pretty hideous today. Uh, a little bit of every, everything from Damian Harris. I, I love the way he runs. Demir Bird made a catch here and there, but they were putrid. And they needed special teams to help. And they really got a big return from Dante Moncrief to set up a touchdown on a punt return or a kick return. And then Gunnar Olszewski had an 82-yard punt return touchdown that was wiped out by, a I thought, a rather questionable illegal crackback. Um, block that you know they went on to, they went on to score a field goal so well it I didn't heard, I heard on NBC Rodney Harrison who's no stranger to cheap shots during his playing days even he said if you're in that position all you have to do is stand in the guy's way and you've done your job and he's not going to tackle your returner when you lay into the guy you put yourself in danger of getting the flag there I don't know. I, just, like I'm not an expert I think that on was one of the rule changes. Just, that was one of the rule changes two or three years ago that they can say it's if it's unnecessary. If they if you kind of deem that you didn't have to do it, basically. Some of these things feel like you know your your body is just doing football stuff and you're going to get flagged. I mean, I, look at this. That one, it just it wasn't the most egregious penalty I saw today. But did they score a it, touchdown on that drive? No, no. So that they scored a field goal. So it okay. took four points away. Four point play. It, you know, they Kyler Murray. I mean, this has been a rough patch for the Cardinals. Think about the Seahawks loss and the way they lost today. Kyler Murray did not. I, I know what they said that he was fine, that his shoulder's fine. Uh, mm. he, he heated up on the ground uh, later on, but at halftime, he had negative two yards rushing off of one rush. It just wasn't part of their offense. And, uh, you know, he, he had he the, the Patriots is something interesting defensively. Instead of just trying to rush him, there were a bunch of guys jumping, trying to bat his passes, and it worked. It led to a, a killer interception at one point. And so I just think if you take Kyler Murray, and you know, second half he started to run a little bit better, and their offense got going to some degree. But it was it was a pretty funky day for the, for Arizona's attack, and they're just not the same if he can't be set free. It's interesting hmm. because the Patriots. It's not unusual for them to come out of a game giving other teams a blueprint. I'll be interested to see if this jumping thing takes off. I mean, it wasn't like every time, but there were a couple plays where, like, they instead of trying to like charge forward and just like surround him in the pocket, there were like guys noticeably jumping up and down, and it they got to him. And he threw a couple beautiful passes, like off his back foot, made a completion at one one point that was just an intriguing uh, connection. But he he was uh, he was having fits today, and it was a very Belichickian game. Did they right during the telecast? Did you see? Uh, him shaking the arm out, Kyler Murray, or getting worked on on the no, sideline? Did I didn't his see passes seem to be lacking any zip? What, what were you seeing there? I didn't, I didn't think that he threw the ball terribly or anything. I just think that he they got in his head. And I think that maybe it took the emphasis off the ground part of it, like him running, which, as right. Greg has correctly said, is sort of the, one of the most unstoppable you know, things out there in the NFL right now. And without that in the Seahawks game, I think that was the re- one of the reasons they lost that game, clearly. And I, I chart it as a reason today, too. Well, they had a good plan against Lamar, and they had a good plan against Kyler Murray, especially without a lot of athleticism. They're they're not going to go 
after you and start rushing, they're going to kind of back up and let, you know, get stop you from getting to the outside, make you come to them. He averaged about the same per pass as Cam Newton. So, I mean, that's a massive uh, win when he when he is back to pass. I, I would think you would like this game, Mark. I mean, this is an old school Patriots game. Special teams, uh, situational football, look like the inferior team, um, maybe get a call late, which, I mean, it was the correct call, the, the hit, the late hit on Cam Newton, and then you sneak out of there with the victory. My, my thing on Cam Newton, maybe this isn't the time for it. I, you know, I'm looking forward to watching this one. He clearly didn't throw it well. Is more that their season, when you kind of diagnose it, would make sense if their defense hadn't collapsed or hasn't collapsed before this game, that they have a $1 million quarterback leading what's been a relatively average efficient offense, but the defense goes from literally first to dead last uh, in DVOA, like the, the best to the absolute worst. And ultimately, like the way they're constructed, that's their biggest problem. Yeah, they, I mean, they could get by with this offense if they had like a top 10 defense, but they're nowhere close to They I, haven't I, been close like to that. Stefan Gilmore made a, was a huge difference on DeAndre Hopkins today. And I, I get all the DVOA side of it, but there's little things that Belichick and certain coaches do that cause confusion and I think that that was a was a difference maker today. I mean they've lost how many of these games like right. this on the final possession. This is the one they won. They're trending up. I mean they they're just not ta- that talented. I think they're very well coached and they just don't have a lot of talent. Everything about this season for New England feels like it's following the path that you would have expected that they're going to be better than their record will be better than their the talent level cuz the coaching is so good. Uh this still screams to me 8 and 8 with a ceiling of 9 and 7. And they're right in that territory right now, five and six here with five games to go. Let us, you're killing that defense so much, Greg. I mean, nice performance against the Ravens. Nice job today. Great performance today. Uh, I just said maybe uh, not the total albatross you presented as week after week, I feel like. I just said trending up. They just can't get off the field. You know, it's okay. It's not special. I mean, they're, they're in the wrong conference. In the NFC, they'd only be one out. In the AFC, they're two out and like four teams out is don't, not happening. Don't don't put that out there. We don't need what? the Patriots in the playoffs. They're a bad, <laughs> unwatchable football team. <laughs> Get are you? They uh, are awful to watch. Let us move on. From your lips to God's ears. We'll hand this one off to Latavius Murray, the great cut, and he's off and running 20, 10, 5, touchdown, Latavius Murray. What a run. My lord, what a run by Latavius Murray. <laughs> we give this the is the game that the, gets this song. They get the bongos. Uh, this is the type of game that would keep King Kong in his cave. I mean, come on. Oh. The, the Saints defense went up against the Broncos team starting a practice squad wide receiver who had zero reps at quarterback in practice this week, and it went pretty much exactly how you'd expect in a 31-3 win for the Saints. That is their eighth straight victory. New Orleans allowed 112 yards of total offense and 12 passing yards from a single completion by Kendall Hinton. That's your trivia question. That's your trivia name. Remember Kendall Hinton. Kendall, yeah. Kendall Hinton. Well, Greg, that was something. It, it was. Um, it was a, one of four teams to only have one completion in the last 40 years. Uh, the first team since Ryan Leaf to have more interceptions. 
than completions. Ryan, I mean, Ryan Leaf was a number two pick in the draft. Poor Kendall Hinton. He hasn't practiced quarterback. He's coming off the practice squad. You know, what, what do you expect? If anything, I was shocked how much they threw the ball. On the first drive of the game, they're running <laughs> it well. And on third and three, he throws it. It seemed it seemed crazy. Right before the half, they like have him throwing, trying to get points. I think the combination of Kendall Hinton and Pat Shermer, like, was not, he was not the one who was going to come up with the D'Angelo Williams playing wild card, wildcat for, you know, the whole game, uh, to get a victory. They're playing the best team in the league in terms of total complete, um, offense, defense, special teams. And oh, by the way, a historically good run defense so far this year, the Saints run defense. So it was like, it was going to be tough sledding. It was the wrong matchup for it. And, uh, you know, just move on. I, I don't need to hear from these Broncos fans. It's like you would have lost anyways with Drew Locke, and then you'd even feel worse about your quarterback after he threw three or four interceptions. So pipe down. Wait, are Broncos fans still honking? They, they I, it's on, it really bothers me. I, I can tell I've you seen, they're not in my mentions anymore. It, no, they're honking about today, that the game should have been canceled, that they're mad at the NFL, and a bunch of the reporters are too, which seems insane to me. Because Vic Fangio, who's a grown-up, r- immediately after the game rightly said, I'm, I'm upset I have this. with I my have quarterbacks. This, Let's listen to it. Let's listen to it. I was disappointed um, on a couple levels in that, that our quarterbacks put us in this position that it put, our quarterbacks put the league in that mm. position. You know, there's, there, we count on them to be the leaders of the team and, you know, leaders of the offense. And uh, those guys made a mistake, and that that is disappointing. And we should make it clear what exactly happened. It was Jeff Driscoll, I believe, who tested positive for COVID nineteen, and then everyone else in the Broncos quarterback room admitted that there was a time when they were together in a closed room with Driscoll that they didn't have their masks on, which puts them into that protocol, even if they had not tested positive themselves. So it eliminated their entire quarterback room uh, for week 12. Right. They, they've got cameras on this stuff. There's also wristbands and that might've been part of it too, in terms of like knowing where they are. It's like, what do you need to take it seriously? What do you like? What What's it going to take for the players, the country, like anyone to take it seriously? It's It's crazy to me that people were upset with anyone, but those, there, this wasn't an outbreak. It was one guy. It was one guy getting sick, and the others, you know, not really caring about like what the rules are, which are like very established, which are very like pretty easy to follow. And it's like very clear. So I guess I, I'm like confused. Where, it's a where microcosm, anyone... my friend. That, right. This is it's this. Our country has struggled so much with this, and hopefully there's a light at the end of the tunnel with this vaccine. And it turns out, Wes, that we're going to need the vaccine to save our asses because we cannot seem <laughs> to wrap our heads around how to properly protect ourselves. We've been divided, and it, common sense has gone out the window. It's been politics instead of common sense, and. I don't know how politics enter this football discussion, but but Greg's totally right. Broncos fans are crazy for trying to defend their team here, and Fangio's right. The quarterbacks put their team in this position. Any other thoughts on the game? Uh, Taysom Hill said after the game, don't look at my terrible passing numbers uh, <laughs> because we once we realized the dire situation 
of the Denver offense with their quarterback, we completely shifted our game plan. I listen as you know. We talked about this last week. That's, I a, not, that's an ungenerous paraphrase of what he I said. am not a Taysom Hill believer, <laughs> but I also cannot kill him too much here because it was a weird, stupid game in a weird, stupid year. Uh, but I will just say. Uh, that the two teams combined, I believe, for about 71 passing yards. Well, I will defend you from some criticism you took last week over Taysom Hill. I thought it was actually in contrast to most of the criticism of Taysom Hill, which is just to find him laughable and a punchline. I thought yours had a very specific point to it. Okay, good. And Thank you. Well, it did. It was, the, can this guy actually play quarterback? Can he go through his progressions? Can he play quarterback the way quarterbacks play the game? And I didn't see today's game, but from the tweets I saw mentioned, that had to be in question today. Well, oh, no, be- he struggled. He was a, he was. I don't care what they say about changing the game plan. I get it. It was more run heavy. On his first 26 dropbacks, or, or 16 dropbacks, they had 25 yards. He took two sacks. He held the ball forever. There were guys right in front of him open, and he and he didn't deliver it. Uh, he fumbled the ball again. That's, that's six on the year. Uh, he helped, you know in the running game and and he's great on the goal line and eventually he put together a couple of passes later um but it was about as discouraging uh a pure passing performance as as you possibly could have had i mean they were averaging under 2 yards per play for most of the game uh the run game was good and it didn't in, in the end it didn't matter and, it, and they did string a couple plays together late in the game which i think Sean Payton wanted to do think, to think of it confidence. this way though and this benefits potentially all four of us and others if he plays himself, clearly plays himself out of a starting role or a future starting role, then it's one outrageously tedious offseason storyline we just don't deal with. <laughs> that's that's true. I One thought, just one not-so-out-of-the-box thought, but just if Taysom Hill is indeed this limited, I want to say also that Alvin Kamara has not really been a big part of this offense now since Taysom Hill took over. He didn't have a catch today. He had one catch, I believe, for negative two yards last week. Um and now you have Taysom Hill at the goal line. It just seems to – it's messed with the flow of what was a special year for Kamara. Isn't this team potentially better with a more qualified quarterback in Jameis Winston behind center, Alvin Kamara in a role with a, a standard quarterback more or less, and then Taysom Hill being mixed in the way he was before? Isn't that potentially a much better offense than what we're going to be uh, – what's going to be unfurled upon us for the rest of the year potentially? Well, just throwing that out there. That's a lot to take from one game. Right. I, I would say it, that says Alvin Kamara's fantasy owner. Says Alvin Kamara's fantasy owner. You know, that's, I feel like, I, I hear you, but they've won two games in convincing blowouts. So I, I we'll see if he's a long-term answer, but right. Breeze is going to be back in a couple weeks. And at this point, they're going to move, they're going to move it forward. I don't take too much negative out of one game either. And I think last week was almost was almost all positive and, and you move forward. That's what I say too. I'm not I'm not killing Taysom Hill in this game. It was a weird, stupid game, but just eh, let's keep an eye on it. Let's see what happens. Uh, who do they get next week? He's killing Kamara's fantasy season. I hear you. I don't know <laughs> I if mean, that's coming back. I no, that's honestly that's not what what's behind it. It's it's just I thought that this team was cooking with Kamara as the motor. Is it going to be cooking if if it's going I mean, in this direction? Who do they, they have? I mean, the they, Falcons next week. The right, they've, the they've outscored their two opponents fifty-five to twelve. So I I do I do think it's a team game, and this team is looking to be the number one seed in the NFC, and I think they could do that with Taysom Hill or or Breeze. All right, I asked twice. 
Didn't get any help. Let me look this up. I told you, Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta Falcons. Like eight Thank eight you, Mark. Eight people screaming at the same time. What do you want? <laughs> the Atlanta Falcons. All right, that's a that's a plus matchup. Let's see what happens. Let's move on. Back to throw. Fires. He's got a receiver. Touchdown, Shaheen. His third touchdown of the year. Ryan Fitzpatrick threw two touchdown passes in place of an injured to a tongue by Loa. And the Dolphins became the latest defense to flummox a Sam Darnold-led Jets attack. 23. The Dolphins win at the Meadowlands. Uh, Miami's defense played very well in this game. Two interceptions. They're up to 17 straight games with at least one takeaway. That's the best in the NFL. Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, delivered... A Ryan Fitzpatrick type game. He didn't. He didn't kill the team with turnovers. So, uh, and he threw two touchdowns. Uh, so, I just think he's been since he's gotten there. He's been everything the Dolphins could have hoped for and more. He was great, or he was rock solid before he got benched for Tua. Uh, he's come back in now, and he nearly uh, brought them back uh, with a comeback last week. And now um, he beats the Jets soundly. And um, so the Dolphins get back in the right direction. Two is going to be an interesting thing to watch here uh, because the thumb injury, we saw a report this morning uh, that the thumb injury that kept Tua out this week is uh, something that could stick with him. Brian Flores was asked after the game if Tua is still the starter. Yeah, if he's healthy, he's that guy. I don't know how many different ways we have to continue to say that. You keep asking. I'll keep answering the same way. So we'll see how Tua looks in practice this week. But Fitzpatrick fills in does the job, and the Jets are one step closer to Trevor Lawrence or 0-16 or both. And their mm. schedule, that this might have been their last chance at a win. Patriots, you look they at got their the schedule. Patriots week, week 17, who they were up 10 on. But until then, it's pretty rough. Belichick's not losing to the Jets. In week got the 17. Browns, too. I got that one in the bag already. Uh, that <laughs> one, like that one, um, I mean... You'd, I'd be interested to know what you'd be rooting for to happen in that game. You know, well, we've got we've got a few weeks. I I think Adam Gase should. I don't know. Go After, away. Well, that too. <laughs> he he said he said Sam Darnold was. He thought Sam Darnold was pressing. Sam Darnold said he wasn't pressing. Adam Gase got caught in a lie that. Yes, that I have that too, Greg. Calling the plays. All right, so let me set this up. So last week there was a lot of speculation. Because Adam Gase had given away play calling to Daryl Loggins, the offensive coordinator. Uh, and then he took it back, I believe, last week. Was that what the, the conversation was? And then, and then this week, uh, the reporters are asking who was calling the plays because it didn't look like the OC was doing it. And Gase would not uh, budge with the reporters. Here's, here's how the uh, interplay went. I didn't take over. We did this. We've done the same thing the last four years. We were watching Dowell through the whole game. He wasn't doing anything. I mean, he was just standing there. <laughs> he, he tells me Which it's not mean? hard. This is not hard. We go through it, the drive before. Hey, these are the three plays. I do the third downs. <laughs> so what happens after the three plays when you have a series? Because we were watching one where Dowell was talking to Frank Pollock. He wasn't calling the plays. You were. <laughs> what part of the game was it? I want to say that was the third quarter. Busted. Yeah, when we got Busted. down, then I – I was trying to do some of the two-minute stuff. You know, Matt Patricia got fired, Greg, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Uh, and that's now three head coaches that have been sent off. I don't know how much it really helps a team 
to get a quote-unquote head start in this game. But if this is on any level impeding the Jets or having the Jets fall behind these other teams, uh, which I'm not saying it is. They could be doing a ton of work behind the scenes right now. Uh, but it, it, the guy is a total laughing stock, and there's no reason to have him in the building. Why And why Why is he lying? Right. I mean, firing him would be a mer- um, showing him mercy. If you want to punish Adam Gase, let, let him continue to coach and get caught in lies. Like, sometimes... You're just lying about something that means so little. What does it matter? Just just tell the truth. Like like I think he's like lost track of why he's even lying. He's well, he tells me the first three plays. Wait, what? Yeah. So he's saying that they're calling the plays by one guy says the first three plays, and then he and then Adam Gase calls what the guy wants to call. It was a perfect question. Well, what about the next three? They've scored three points against Brian Flores' Dolphins this year in two games in 120 minutes in the year 2020. With every offensive advantage possible, they've scored three points against the Dolphins. I think there is an advantage to, to just clearing out this cancer. And, you know, the Panthers zeroed in on Matt Rule before early because of getting because of deciding they wanted to go in a different direction other teams i think that's the the wave of the future and if you're the jets if you're joe douglas joe douglas i hope doesn't in his mind have any reason to be loyal to gase or keep him at all i know what he said a couple of times i don't take any of it at face value at all i would remove gase immediately well, based on track record, he might not. It's probably not Joe Douglas's decision to make. Based on the Jets' ownership's track record. Well, then that should annoy Joe Douglas because it should be someone that Joe Douglas wants to work with into the future. That in well, their most critical offseason. It doesn't necessarily happen in a vacuum either. I would think Douglas is part of the conversation with yes. ownership, uh, but it's ownership that ultimately makes this. This is all a moot point, though. There's no way Adam Gase comes out of this yeah. alive. It's just a question of whether he gets fired in December. Uh, tomorrow, December, or January 4th. Question, question, Dan. Yes. Considering how they've played under Gaze and how the Browns played when Greg Williams took over as interim coach, doesn't allowing Gaze to stay give them the best chance of keeping or getting <laughs> Trevor Lawrence? Bingo, uh, Wes. There are a lot of Jets fans that are saying that don't fire him because that helps the team keep losing. You don't want to get any shot in the arm. And isn't that and the most out. important thing, to get Trevor yes. Lawrence? Now, that might be it. That might one be other reason. I think that's that potentially could be it, and I guess that's the only way that it would make sense keeping around because he just makes the organization look so bad week after week. Some of his play calling was just an abomination in this game, giving the ball to Frank Gore over and over and over again. They had a the Dolphins didn't play extremely well on offense in this game. In fact, they turned it over twice in the second half and uh, giving the Jets great field position and. Darnold and the offense can't do anything. Frank Gore runs into a wall on fourth and one at the 19 late in the third quarter, and that was about it. And my last thought on this is Sam Darnold, I wish him the best of luck wherever he ends up, but it's getting to the point where the Jets, even if they luck into a few wins and don't have the number one pick, they might be looking to replace Darnold anyway because Joe Flacco has outplayed him this year. Like it, it, He had all of his wide receivers on the field, I think he's just been – Adam Gase has just, I think, messed with his mind so much that he's just not out there playing free and easy, and you see it and how tight he is and the mistakes he makes. So ugly stuff, ugly stuff. Let's check in with the other New York team. Allen back to throw. He's going to get sacked. The ball is loose and recovered by the Giants at the 38-yard line. Jabal Sheard got the sack, and Leonard Williams covered it up. Bob Papa, WFAN with the call. The first place New York Giants 
The first place, G-Man! Big Blue got to Joe Burrow, Phil, and Brandon Allen. Forced the fumble and recovered. It was the decisive play in a 19-17 win. Allen threw for just 136 yards, and Cincinnati mustered just 155 total yards of offense. Greg, the Giants lost Daniel Jones to a hamstring injury in this one. What's the early word there? They'll evaluate him. It's such a tricky injury. He was standing on the sideline walking around, so it didn't look like the most serious thing, but they didn't want to risk it getting worse. Colt McCoy entered a game essentially with a 13-10 to lead. He entered at 10-10, almost threw an interception on his first pass, and then uh, Mark's son's namesake um, settled down and stayed out of the way and handed the ball off. It's amazing that Bengals had the ball at the 50-yard line with enough time, only down two, with a chance to win this game. The Giants dominated almost in every way possible, almost quite, you know tripled their total yardage. At one point, it was like 370 to 100. Um, but a special teams play, fumbles, everything uh, you know that they could do to keep the Bengals in it, they did it, and they almost let it slip away. But their defense, uh, which we've talked about a lot this year, uh, saved them. Lenny Williams is having a great year, and Jabal Sheard uh, was a nice pickup off the street, as they say. Week How's thir- Jabal Sheard on the street, man? He, he always makes some plays. It's a good question. Week 13, this division is up for grabs, and it's in the hands of Alex Smith, Andy Dalton, Colt McCoy, and Jalen Hurts about to get the most snaps he's ever gotten as a quarterback in Philadelphia. <laughs> I saw wild. Colt McCoy miss like a, a wide-open uh, yeah. short pass to a wide receiver on third down. I thought, yikes. Um it is tremendous that he's back on the field. I celebrate it in my house, um, but I, I, I don't know. Like how long, if they lose Daniel Jones for a while? I mean, Daniel right. Jones also costs games for them at half the times. But I think they're the best coach team in this division. Right. They. I mean, McCoy Redskins came in. Maybe. He he threw ten. He threw ten passes for thirty-one yards, and and probably should have been intercepted. They had many. I mean, that moments. sounds like what Colt Sessler would do. Right. They had so. many <laughs> moments where they should have put the game away, and just di- different ways kept letting him in there. Um, if Jones can play next week, I thought this was his the, his best two games of the entire season were the last two. He played great in this game. It doesn't quite really? show up in the box score, but he he really made good decisions. Uh, had a lot of third and longs. Darius Slayton dropped an 80-yard bomb that that would have changed uh, the score. You know, Ingram fumbled one in the red zone, but he made a lot of really good decisions, made a lot of good throws. Uh, he he played well today. We should, we should fire this one up on Game Pass. That's what you're saying. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I mean, the Bengals had like six first downs in the first 57 minutes of the game. That is not a, an exaggeration. Let's take a look at the take a look at the Giants. I'm rooting by the for the way, Giants to win this division. Feels very childhood esque. Have quietly now won four of six and three in a row. Uh, they have at Seattle, home Arizona, home Browns, at Ravens, home Cowboys. Okay, it still seems like everyone's going to go six and ten. That's a tough one. The uh, the Washington, the other teams, uh, I think, all have two division games left. They only have one, which does not help uh, the Giants' chances. you got to play four straight winning teams. But I think that if Daniel Jones is healthy, they can beat so, uh, some winning teams. If Cole McCoy is there, they're not going to win anything. This is not good, though. Developing news from uh, Jordan uh, Ronan. Ronan? Ronan? Uh, 
Rainin of ESPN. A source told ESPN the initial belief is that it's a, quote, pretty bad hamstring injury. Mm, okay. Uh, more tests are scheduled Monday to determine the full extent of the injury. So if it's, you know, if it's the type of hamstring injury that's that, you know, bad, that's a multi-week injury potentially. That is not good, especially a guy that, uh, you know, uses his legs. We talked about that since Saquon Barkley went down. Uh, the way he's been able to make plays with his legs, if if that's going to be compromised, that is bad news for the Giants. But good news for Colt McCoy and Colt Sessler, ultimately, Mark. Yeah, I think Colt Sessler totally apathetic to the development. But uh, <laughs> Colt McCoy, he's a survivor. He's hung around this league, and it'll be interesting to see what happens here. All right. Wes, we've reached the time of the show where we trade out one bald man for another. But uh, we always enjoy your your time with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It uh, it really does liven up my day, and my weekend. So, Excellent. pleasure to be it's here. Pleasure, pleasure to hear Great from all the listeners. You. Love you're, hearing from the listeners on on Mondays all throughout the year when I've been able to be on. Awesome. Make sure you hit up Wes, uh, check in with him, I and uh, share your takes. Share, listen, if he if Wes said something that you didn't agree with on on today's show, I'm sure he'd be open to hearing from you on that too. Right, right. Wes? Yeah, yeah. Let's hear it, Chuck. You got Wes, problems. I, when I think Wes, um, I think like lots of patience with people coming after him on Twitter. That's like what I think first. That's the stamp. <laughs> All right. I'm Thank a new you, man. Chris Wesley. You're All a special right, man. And there is Nick Shook. What's up, Shooky? Hey, hey guys. How you doing? Look at you. You have a little extra skip in your step here because not only um, are you uh, going to do games with us today, you're going to be doing Cleveland Browns football. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Your old employer. Let's get into it. What caused the end of that arrangement? We'll never know. Let's let's listen in (laughs) to the Cleveland Browns. Mayfield takes it. Play action fake to Hunt. He throws. End zone open. Hooper. Touchdown. Austin Hooper. Well, Baker laid it right in the bread basket there, Doug. Jim Donovan with a call, WKRK. Baker Mayfield threw two touchdown passes, including that strike to tight end Austin Hooper, and Nick Chubb sealed the game with a first down. Late in the Browns' 27-25 win over the Jags at the big chlorine tank. Shook, your beloved Brownies are on the doorstep of a playoff return because they continue to beat the teams they should. Yeah, I think that's all you can ask of a team like this. I mean, I don't think the Browns are anything um, to necessarily consider when you when you talk about you know the the AFC contenders per se. But I think they make the playoffs if they win games like this. And, and they better it, this point. A, yeah, right. Eight and I mean, three. The way that their schedule lays out for them, unless they throw down a, a clunker against the Jets and the Giants, they have a fairly good shot at this point at eight and three to make it. But it wasn't easy, uh, you know. Greg, you'll, I think you'll point this. You pointed this out last week, and I'm sure you'll you'll back this up a little bit too. Is the, the Jaguars have played better defense the last few weeks? They played a really tight game against the Packers. They're not as bad as you'd think on that side of the ball. And Mike Glennon is a step up from Jake Luton, as you know you saw today. He he was uh, 100% Mike Glennon, just letting it rip. He's got you know living like there's. <laughs> No tomorrow, and, and he had a nice little. Uh, he had a dime of a touchdown pass early, and another one to Tyler Eifert in the end zone. It made me wonder what year it was. I had to check the calendar, and make sure it was twenty twenty. But uh, you know, he he kept them. He gave them a chance, and he made them competitive. But the Browns did what they had to do, and and the the big thing for me was. 
if you're Doug Marone and, and, and you're in a, a two-point game and you've just scored, you didn't get the two-point conversion, but you got all the momentum on your side, and you can debate the legitimacy of momentum at another time, but right now you've got That's all right. the momentum on your side and you decide to kick off to one of the better teams in the NFL at closing games because of their rushing attack, and then that's exactly what you get. I mean, it just makes you think, like, did you not consider your opponent in that in that position? Because the Browns mm-hmm. were uh, they were reeling at that point. But lucky for them and credit to them, they can close the game and they won this one today. I don't know if there's a better fourth quarter rushing team right now. That may, yeah. That's their strength, and it's, it's overt. And, you know, to your point, if you're Doug Marone, you know it's coming your way, and their defense did play well. And this seemed like a game Cleveland tried to lose um, in multiple – uh, different way. I mean, they, they the refs seemed at some point to be interested in the point spread. That was my other take. But um, uh, it was I come away thinking it was a positive game for Baker Mayfield to some degree. But there is this Baker Mayfield thing. Every I feel like every start there are two or three passes that just leave you like shaking your head, missing guys open in the end zone. Uh, there was a very clear chance to hit Kareem Hunt on what would have been a pretty game ceiling type completion just to short out and he th- oh, he threw him weird a little bit wide and cream hunt had a look on a, on his face kind of like dude whatever you know uh but the browns like this was a classic game they would have lost and they used their strength at the end and they've done that game after game when they've won the t- mm. the 200 yards rushing thing is becoming a norm for them which is just such a shocking sight to browns fans um that have been watching this team fizzle up for 25 plus years Shook, are you saying I should maybe come after? I, it's too bad Wes isn't here, but you know I could text them or whatever and start reigniting our Mike Glennon debates of 2013. Like I still have a chance to win this one. Glennon fever is coming back. No, no, you can leave your anything your long neck debates at home. Uh, it's it's not happening. But never I mean, back could... to a worst quarter. He he is my Zach Mettenberger. I am to Mike Glennon what Mark is to Zach Mettenberger. There was <laughs> a moment. Let's mistakes were made. Go. Mistakes were made. There was a moment um, after they pulled within two on the Eifert touchdown, uh, where he scrambles on the two point conversion and he has a pathway to the end zone to tie the game. And then, to his credit, he understands that he's Mike Lennon and he's limited <laughs> in almost every way. Uh, and he, he realizes he needs to peel back and throw a prayer to the back of the end zone, a prayer that was unanswered. But it did, it did, uh, it was, I mean, it's notable that it, the, the Browns struggled to close out the Jaguars. But in the Jaguars' credit, this is not a team that is, has given up hope and they have played tightly. And I'm, you know, again, and we talk about the number one overall pick, the Jags lost 10 in a row. Uh, today they fired Dave Caldwell, um, their general manager who had been there since January 2013. Changes are obviously coming there, but this is not a team that is completely, uh, throwing in the towel and getting blown out week after week. And that, and that is a credit to Doug Marone. Yeah, but you know what? Going back to your point, uh, Mike Lennon, if he's going 100% all out, living like there's no tomorrow, Mike Lennon, you go for the goal line there. Look, you're part of bald game. You have no fears. You've embraced the straight razor to your head. You have no fears. I don't care if Carl Joseph is bearing down (laughs) on you. You dive for that pylon because you might never get another chance, at least in Jacksonville, or maybe it's next week, who knows, to do that again. Mm. And yet he drops back and throws it to the back of the end zone. And when did you go fully shaved? Uh, when I was 23. 23. So you went young. Wow. You made yeah. a decision. You saw where things were headed, I'm guessing, and you made that choice, and it, it works for you. Did you find it to be liberating and freeing in a way that made you feel more bold or confident? Yeah, I, 
would say it added to it because, um, you know, looking back, I think the, the, the photos, the, the evidence was all there. I think I waited way too long. And, and what was really the, the turning point for me was somebody shot a video of me from behind and I saw the bald spot coming on the back of my head. And that night I went and grabbed the clippers, shaved it off, haven't had any hair since. And you know what people say, Dan? And yeah. I'm sure you get this a lot about yeah. your hair and about my lack of hair. I look better without hair. There you That's go. That's what they say. That's I mean, some say. people do it, and it, I think it's unfair and cheap to take shots at Glennon's physical appearance, so I will say nothing on how <laughs> Glennon looks without hair, but um, some people pull it off better than others, and you and Wes both, I believe, uh, improved yourselves uh, a great deal. Mm. And ended up with hot babes as a result. Well, you got to find so. out. You don't have like. You, what if you learn you have like little bumps and stuff all over your head? Like I was worried about that, and I hope they didn't have an egg shaped head. But luckily, it was. No, it's, it's pretty round, so you know. Maybe we're that's working how out. it works. You know. Uh, Jaguars the, fans, I, yeah, I do want to just say quickly on Caldwell. Like they should be happy. You know, I think they have to be encouraged that they're changing it up from David uh, Caldwell. It's a pretty he big survived like twenty five like. It, Issues and because they're there. Jacksonville, this it slipped pretty under the radar. But he's been there since 2013. They are 37 and 87 over those years. Uh, like imagine, like if a New York GM had gone 37 and 87. They had, they've had one season with more than six wins in all those years. So it's nothing personal, but it's like they. I, I'm glad. I think they went into this year kind of knowing that they were gonna fire Marone and Caldwell at the end of it, barring anything crazy, and nothing crazy's happened, and, and they needed a restart. Did you, Greg, over, did you over those did, seven years? How many years or how many Pro Bowlers do you expect a GM to draft? I don't know. What's your standard? One a year, one you know per because he drafted six. One a year but would be good. Almost all the those you six play to came win the game, year. Chuck. They won. <laughs> they won more than six games once. Every rule. Is I know. I agree. I'm to just help playing you, like, get to five hundred. I mean, how many GMs survive drafting Blake Bortles? Usually None. that would None. be you'd be gone. You know, Sorry. and that's the damning evidence right there. Greg, did you make the um, the cardinal sin error of omitting a coach or court or players? Playoff numbers when you uh, gave his lifetime record because that I, should count more. That that's fair. Let's thirty nine and eighty six. Thirty nine and eighty six. They won All the right. two playoff games. Should have beaten the Patriots. The hand of God uh, came in on the Miles Jack fumble. Uh, recovery, oh, please, and it's been all down. Hey, how about then. how about your number one overall defense, best defense ever? Doesn't <laughs> cough up a ten point lead. <sighs> you know, choked it. Come on, dude. That was a, that was a bad call. That was six points the other way, and you know it. That's the game right there in that spot. That was, that was it. Was a call you see like every week. It was not right. that crazy. There's no sense litigating it. That's the past. <laughs> Dave Caldwell's the past, and I would imagine Doug Marone will join him. Just not yet. And since we're on the topic of dismissals, we should hit something that happened on Saturday, uh, 48 hours after the Lions were embarrassed at home against the Texans, their second straight blowout loss when they seemed to be in the playoff mix and were. Uh, well, that was the final straw for Lions management. Matt Patricia fired as head coach. Bob Quinn fired general manager. It ends... Um, a nearly three-season run for Patricia where they just never got things going. Uh, he was hired to get them the next step, take them the next step after back-to-back nine and seven seasons, and they never got there. Uh, Patricia is sent on his way, uh, Mark, a guy that, listen, he'll get a job again as a DC, I imagine, but this is one of those head coaching uh, situations where you probably don't get another shot when it goes this poorly. Yeah, we just, we're talking about general managers and coaches developing pro bowl players. And I, 
I, I think my thing with the Lions, Bob Quinn, Matt Patricia, uh, I thought, you know, you come in, you're going to want to change the persona of the Lions that we've kind of ripped on and um, suffered through for so long, and nothing changed. And, and there seemed to be no real vision. And, you know, yes, you came from the New England Patriots, but there was no resemblance to the New England Patriots. Um, you, unlike a lot of new coaches, you had an established quarterback in Matt Stafford, and those years were lost and wasted. So I, I would hope that, you know, A, this is a signal that this new version of ownership is not going to just sort of float through seasons mm. with coaches and GMs that aren't successful. But this is as a critical a moment for the Lions as there's been because you're dealing – we've seen these terrible losing teams. A 15-year-old in Detroit has no reason to spend time watching the Lions – you're going to lose generations of fans because you're not going to... anyone under 45. I mean, when was the last sure, time they but, were competitive? No, I mean, but I'd say someone that, you know, maybe grew up with it during Wayne Fonts and some of those years, it, it got, you know, it started there. At this point, like, you got to tell your city and your fan base, we care, we're going to make an important hire that's going to change this. And it starts with an exciting hire, frankly. Well, Jim Caldwell's raising his hand because they were competitive, at least with him. They were nine and seven, like I said, those last two years. But they—that's why the hiring and now the postmortem—it looks so bad for the Lions because this is a team that was for most of the '90s and into the 2000s the bad team of the NFL, the laughing stock. And then you finally got the organization to a place where they were right on the precipice of being a contender. But you say, no, we're stopping this train. We're hopping on this other train and bringing the Patriot way into town. And then it just blows up in their face in nearly every way imaginable. Uh, so, you know, I guess good on new ownership. Uh, there's there's a change at the top I of the guess. food chain of Detroit for... I'm not, not giving them any good. I'm not giving them Listen, any they, good. I'm giving they, them bad, actually, because they're keeping the same executive. You know, we talk about Easterby a lot. They're keeping the same executive who's been there the whole time. His name's Rod Wood. Again, it's nothing personal, but it's the same family that's owned the team, and it's the same executive that's been here through a lot of this, and he's the one ultimately running this search. And I'm talking about back in, you know, before Caldwell. Like, it, it goes back years and years there's no there's no particular reason to think anything would be changing, you know, like, like, well, that- you could hire the right general manager. I'm not saying he will. You're saying that this guy's not capable of doing it. I the only sure credit I'm giving is they are uh, trying to move forward and realizing this was a mistake. Right. They got the GM and the head coach out of there and maybe the people and it won't be just him making the de- decision. I understand that Sheila Ford Hamp is going to be involved with this as well. Uh, maybe she knows what she's doing and, and is a good judge of certain things. I don't. She's know. rough and tumble. I would look out for her. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's they're they're hitting the reboot button again, and you just hope if you're a Lions fan, you get the right people working in the building. I would imagine if your friend comes up to you and says, "Hey, man, I finally broke up with this girl that I've been in this toxic relationship with for years," and you've told him until you're blue in the face. Hey, break up with this girl. She's not good for you. And he ignored you over and over and over and over again. You're not exactly going to be like, all right, pal. You're going to be like, good. What took you so long? Now prove to me that you're not going to go back to her. I, I worry that they make a hire in the opposite direction. I think that's probably getting too far ahead of ourselves. But like Greg said, until you prove otherwise. Yeah. I'm not, I mean, there's yeah. years and decades of proof that the organization doesn't usually make the right decision. We'll see what happens come January. All right. Let's move on. 
Booker stays in the ball game. Here's Carr looking to throw again. Pressure coming. Kaminsky, and it's intercepted. Deion Jones with a flag down. And Jones is going to the end zone. And we'll see if it's an Atlanta touchdown. 67-yard interception return for a touchdown by Deion Jones. West Durham, WZGC, good call. With the call, and it did stand, Deion Jones picked off Derek Carr, took it to the house. A moment of domination and a game of domination by the Falcons, who dropped a 43-6 bomb on the Raiders. Shook. You know, we, being the collective, uh, I guess the football cognoscenti, didn't think this Raiders team had the DNA to nosedive the way they did a year ago. Well, now you have to maybe rethink that. What happened today? It had all the makings of a typical hangover game after they get so up for a game, lose in a heartbreaker, and then forget to bring that same type of energy to the field. It was beyond that, though. My girlfriend, who you guys have chatted before many times, I'm not committing to, she's committed to the Raiders. And she came home today mm. and saw that score late in the fourth quarter, 40-6. to six. I looked at her and said, you know what? This is the worst Raiders game I've watched in five years. And I'm not exaggerating. It was the worst game Whoa. they've played as a team in half a decade before the Jack Del Rio Raiders. I'm serious. We're going that far back. And the problem is, is for everything that they were good at in the last month and a half, and we were all starting to maybe get behind Derek Carr for a little bit. Maybe he's good enough to get them somewhere. Maybe he's as good as he was, you know, three or four years ago. Taking that next step, they can go toe-to-toe. Awful today. His stat line actually doesn't do justice of how bad he was. Now, all of it's not on him. They were He was pressured relentlessly. Uh, he had a, a, a He was stripped on a sack. But his interceptions were bad. That one specifically, the audio track that we played, was very bad. And it just snowballed. Five turnovers in the game. They were only three for 12 on third down. Everything that he was good at, getting them first downs with his, with his legs on third down, converting in key moments. They couldn't do any of it. They even got a break. Josh Jacobs fumbled in the red zone early. It was overturned. They only got three points out of it. They only ended up with six points for the entire game. They had a sad field goal in this game. A complete disaster. A train wreck in Atlanta. Woo. Mm. Ouchie. What? That's a that's eleven fumbles for Carr this year. So for whatever reason, people don't like care about fumbles when like evaluating who's having a great year or not. Yeah. But he, you know, that's in the top two in the league. He's led the league before in fumbles, and so that that's a huge problem because they do play in a way that look. No one's gonna win when you turn the ball over five times, but they uh, especially play in a way that they can't like survive mistakes and turnovers like they want to play close to the vest so that's wild though Raheem Morris has had some blowout wins who would think it who would have thought they it? are they are like I've, it's not going to happen but they are not out of the playoff picture if they kept playing this way um the Falcons but it's it's uh concerning you John Cruden comes out of the game having to apologize to Raiders fans and Derek Carr said that he was he was concerned because the team was really flat in practice and then the game started in Yep, they were even more flat. So I think you're right. There is a bit of a hangover aspect to the Chiefs game to some degree. I mean, look what Derek Carr was incredible uh, mm-hmm. against the Chiefs. He very nearly uh, took them to the win of the year. And then Patrick Mahomes l- ripped their heart out. And I guess you could say there's a hangover. Now, you also could do the old teams that travel east for an early start. That That's another trope that perhaps is in play here. But for a car to fall on his fat, there's so much fall on his face. There's so much. There was so much at stake for the Raiders. It's 
you know, they needed to win this game. They put themselves in a really tough spot now in the AFC playoffs. And the Browns, who, like we've said, had the tiebreaker. They have the tiebreaker on Cleveland. But now Cleveland's two games clear of them. Uh, so that's that's going to be a very difficult situation for them to catch the Browns. Um, there was no excuse to be this flat when they needed the win. Uh, so I, yeah, I've been very high in the Raiders all season. I didn't think this was going to be a season where we saw a performance like this. And who knows? Maybe they'll play great next week and we'll forget about this. But that that has to leave you very nervous about the rest of the season if you're a Raiders fan. Yeah, the worst part about this, too, is like I, I, as we got through the first two quarters or so, I was like, wow, the Raiders are a lot of, just making a lot of mistakes. They can't get out of their own way. This is going to be you know, a tough game for them to come back in. And then it really just blew up completely in their faces. I mean, they gave them multiple opportunities in this specific game. It's mistakes that like you look at it on tape and you're, you're like, this might be indicative of an issue that extends beyond these four quarters. You know, mm-hmm. getting a roughing the kicker penalty that gives Atlanta a new set of downs. Then you get them down to fourth and three on the goal line and you give up a touchdown when you almost get to Matt Ryan. It's almost finishing. It's getting a roughing the passer penalty that extends another drive. It's undisciplined football and then it's obviously sloppy football with all the turnovers. For everybody, myself included, you know, despite the fact that they lost to the Chiefs last week, I was like, you know, this this is a team that could be in the playoffs. We talked about it. Could make for maybe a fun uh, wild card weekend matchup or whatever, or a divisional round matchup if they got that far. I, I, I know it's only one game, but it's, ooh, it's concerning. There's nothing worse in the NFL than a moral victory loss. I swear this happens every, it's like, oh wow, they really tried hard. And then the next week, like this, I feel like I, I don't know why. Say, yeah, it feels yeah. like it always happens. Yeah, I, so, I, right. do not buy, I do not buy into letdown games when you lost the previous game. I don't care how well you played. <laughs> a weird, funky little stat uh, before we move on to Sunday Night Football. The Falcons finished with 304 total yards. They're the only team in the last, the only team in the last five seasons with 43-plus points and fewer total yards is the Chiefs, who way back in Week 7 versus the Broncos had 43 points on 286 Yard. So it wasn't like the Falcons were lighting up uh, the Raiders, but the Raiders were so inept in all other ways, it didn't matter. All right, to Sunday Night Football. Oh, Sunday night. Rodgers flips his hips, flips it downfield, wide open, tie-in, touchdown, Packers. Ah, oh, beautiful, beautiful connection from Aaron Rodgers to Robert Tanyan, the one of four touchdowns. For the great Aaron Rodgers in a 41 to 25 win over the Chicago Bears at Lambeau Field, the latest one-sided affair between these two old rivals, Nick Shook. Uh, you know, we were just talking about it before we came on. It, it, the league heaps these primetime affairs upon us between these two teams, but can you remember the last time we saw a good game between the Packers and Bears? Um, around the time I graduated college, um, <laughs> probably the the Jay Cutler, like the last stand of the good Jay Cutler Bears uh, against the Packers. It's probably the last time they had a classic showdown, especially late in the season. It's been very one-sided, primarily because the Bears haven't answered the quarterback situation, and, and tonight you see more of the same. I mean, you turn back to Mitchell Trubisky, and what do you get? You get three turnovers. You get a terrible pick thrown into triple coverage. I mean, we shouldn't be surprised. So uh, as long as the Packers have Aaron Rodgers and are on the pace that they're at, I think this is going to continue to be the case no matter how good Chicago's mm. defense is. 
At this point, Packers games are just kind of tracking Dan's uh, sandwich prop that he had Aaron Rodgers <laughs> as an all-pro. And uh, it's looking solid. Much better than the Jets are going to contend into Week 17 prop. Uh, I think you're going to get it. He is my choice for the MVP right now. You know, Aaron you didn't Rogers. need to add that second part. Well, yeah, that's, <laughs> just, just and a, that's, by the way, why we'll, we'll never create 32 more of you. Because sometimes one is too much. <laughs> I mean, you know... Uh, we're all all you try to do is go one for three when it comes to those props. I think I know you're that's that why one. that's why it was unnecessary. One. But yes, I feel very good about Aaron Rodgers uh, being named All Pro. It was a bit of a shot in the dark uh, in August, but it looks like it's going to land because he's, you know, Rodgers has always based his game. Uh, I mean, he's got tremendous talent. Obviously, he's one of the great players, but he's always played with such confidence, and it's always been such a big part of his game. This you could tell this belief that he's just better than everyone else, and you can just see it on his face that it's it, it's almost in a, a higher drive right now because of all the outside factors that he internalized, and 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 it's driving him. I, I think the interesting thing with this game, and Mitch Trubisky didn't play well. I mean, come on. I mean, he's Mitch Trubisky, like Shook said, three turnovers, Mark. Uh, but he, you know, he did move the ball enough, even if it was in garbage time. He got them three scores. I thought that this this game is really lost because the Bears' defense, which you know they need to be perfect, uh, was far from that in this game. They got torched uh, both in the passing and in the running game. Yeah, I think that was as much of the story. I mean. Green Bay's first three drives, all touchdowns, 14 plays, 75 yards, 9 plays, 60, 13 plays, 75. We kind of know the Bears are going to score between like 12 and 18 points every game. I'm sure there are a lot of very annoyed people on the defensive side for Chicago at this point in the year or every year. But, uh, you know, to start the game that way, you're put in a hole because of both sides of the ball. So, I, I you know, it just feels sort of like a broken operation. Um, it's good to see Green Bay go out, flex its muscles, and romp over a much lesser opponent. Right, because ultimately, okay, Rodgers is playing better. Their offensive line was pretty dominant and has been great all year, including in the running game tonight. Um, but the difference is, is the play calling. Guys are open. I mean, that's it, – it's the offense. It's, you know, Rodgers is making great plays, like – but he was making great plays all along. Now he's also, on top of that, having these open receivers. There was like a third down play early in the game that you wouldn't even notice where it's him and Adams connecting. Adams makes a diving catch on a throw that Rodgers threw through a pretty small window in terms of the defensive line in front of him. And then 65 yards later, with a bunch of easy throws, they score a touchdown. So it takes like one great Rodgers-Adams play that no one else can make. And then the offense just kind of rolls, and it's nice to see Rodgers supported so much. To your point about Rodgers just doing things on another level, I loved how they pointed out the buster screen blitz that he saw beforehand uh, that he just called, and like he sort of shook his head and looked to himself after, like, yeah, I'm pretty smart. I mean, he is, and he's... But the, a lot of... That's the difference between Aaron Rodgers six or seven other quarterbacks, and the rest of the league that in a quiet stadium with no crowds, Rodgers uses it as an advantage to hear what the defense is saying, what they're doing, what they're planning, and calling it out to his own teammates. I think that's also the difference between an Aaron Rodgers um, who was visibly frustrated at the end of the Mike McCarthy era and where he is now with Matt LaFleur in their second season. They continue to understand each other better, and you're seeing it in how effective their offense is, the rhythm, the pace uh, that they have when they go down the field on drives like Greg mentioned, and, and also the continued involvement of Robert Tunyon. I mean, it helps a lot when you have Aaron Jones in the backfield and, and you can run play action off of that, but it also helps when you have a tight end that you can throw to off of play action where you might get him in a mismatch or you're going to get him in a one-on-one. Maybe it's an elite 
across the field where he's open downfield for a big gain. It just adds to what you could do beyond your receiving core. The big question for them, though, and we'll use the term that Greg likes to use when it comes to Mike Pettin defenses, is the run funnel. Are they ever going to stop the run against a legitimate team? Because Without David Montgomery, the Bears have no rushing game whatsoever. They haven't had it for weeks, and a lot of his yards were gained uh, in garbage time tonight, so it's kind of hard to look at from a statistical standpoint, so it's not a good litmus test. And then if you face a better team that can run the ball, it kind of calls into question how legitimate this team is. And we know they're going to bring it offensively. It just comes down to their defense. We will see. You're right. Uh, How this team stands up when it comes down to – uh, the tougher games remaining on their schedule, which is not very tough. We'll get to that in a second. But then, of course, in January, because they will be playing in the playoffs. This team's the Packers are going to win their division. Uh, and, you know, when you look at their schedule remaining, it sets up well. They're one game behind the Saints, but they ha- they hold the head-to-head tiebreaker. So, you know, it might take them going, you know, 12-4 and four here. Uh, to take the number one seed, but it is not it is not out of the realm of possibility. I just wonder sometimes with this team, uh, like Mark said, you kind of wanted to see them whip up on a team that they should beat. That's what they did today. Um, a little bit hot and cold at times, this Packer team. This was a hot Packer team. And when they're hot and looking good, they seem like they could beat anyone, uh, but then they could show up the next week and you're like, wait, who are the Packers? So I still have a little bit of a lingering doubt around them, but you can't argue with the results. They're in a good I mean, position. I think they're – first of all, they got to go third. They, I think they're going to have to win out to get the one seed. They, they can't count on the Saints. Do we have to talk about think... Taysom Hill again? Because we No, have... but they would just have to lose twice. You know, the Saints haven't lost in a long time, and they would have to lose twice in five games. That's just asking a lot. That would be a lot of luck for the Packers. So most well, likely they're one the Pack... game out, right? Right, but if they if the Packers lose once, then they need the the Saints to lose gotcha. twice. So gotcha. that's it's just a lot right. to ask. That's right. So most likely they have to win out. But looking at their schedule, they they could do it. And they could be a, a much more, you know, we spent all offseason talking about legit 13-3 and three or not, uh, and this would be a very legit 13 They feel more legit there. than last year's team to me. Yeah. Yeah. A, big, a big reason for that is is tonight's win because against other solid defenses this season, they've struggled. Tampa yeah. Bay, pretty good defense. They got beat by 28. Minnesota, you always can count on, on a, a challenging scheme from Mike Zimmer. They get beat in that game, although that was the Dalvin Cook game. Indianapolis, they lose in overtime last week despite putting up 31 points because they can't get it done when they have the ball uh, late in that game. So... This is the first time that they've gotten a win over a legitimate defense, and putting up 41 points mm. is a statement for them. Um, and, and like you said, the, the schedule does set up pretty nicely for them. I think the big test comes in Week 16 when they play Tennessee because then they have to on stop Sunday the run. Night. On Sunday yeah. night, that's a good one. December 27th, Titans-Packers. Better than this like one. That's gonna it's going to matter. I know. Enough <laughs> of these uh, Bears. Five straight losses. You don't see that too often for a 5-1 and one team. Good news. Not only are they at a prime time for the rest of the season – they have been banished to all early Sunday games for the uh, end of this uh, season. Well, bad news. One of the four of us will be covering them. So, you know, we'll see. Good news. It will be shook. All right. It's going to be me. Speaking of shook. Hey, Nick, um, what uh, god-awful uh, meteorological uh, pattern has fall- befallen Cleveland today? Um, well, actually, the weather is pretty nice, but it's supposed to rain up to not or not rain. It's supposed to snow up to nine inches on Wednesday, according to the local weather reporters. So um, this is a guy who hasn't bought tires for his truck that needed to do it a year ago. Luckily, working from home, living downtown, I don't drive very much, so I'll be able to trudge through it. As for the Browns, we'll see. They got a good running game, so we'll see. All right. Good stuff. All right. 
That's it. Thank you to Chris Wessling for joining us. We'll be back on Tuesday. Uh, well, there's this, you know, we have a weird week set up here. So we got Monday Night Football, of course. And then right now scheduled, we have Tuesday Night Football. Uh, so just know that we will be uh, covering all the... What's up, Erica? Well, I just wanted to do a quick... Oh, yes, um, please. Yeah, just jump in the elevator with me real quick, if you will. Ooh, okay. Um, and I would like to just do a little locks update. So, mm. Mark Sessler, you are in going up to the penthouse in the elevator because the Chiefs won. Greg and West with the Giants won. Erica with the Raiders lost that. Um, and Dan lost with the Cowboys. Mm. Nice Who did elevator. You pick this week, Erica? Uh, the Raiders. Oh wait, <laughs> ouch. You are the reason the Raiders lost, I think, in this week. Yes. I'd Everything like to, I touch. I'd like to see the score differential in Erica's locks. It feels Does like it? there's also been a lot of one-sided ones for some reason. Have you thought about the uh, irony, Erica, that you're the weakest link in this uh, lock picks challenge as well? Yeah, it's uh, people on Twitter sure sure like to, to list that one, you know? It's a good one. Who's Aaron, though? That would be more concerning. Dan has a little bit of an Aaron aura to him with the locks this week. You, you went down swinging. Well, it's All funny. Right, like, I'm getting out of here. I finally realized what I was having fun with locks, you know, picking the Cowboys is having fun for the show's sake. And then you see, you know, people locking up the Chiefs and yep. locking up the, you know, Joe Burrowless Bengals. People are taking this seriously. So it might be too late for me, but I'm going to. Well, hold. Wait, I'm a getting, wait a minute. I'm I didn't, I didn't lock serious. up the Chiefs against like. Wilton High School. I mean, they, they, it was. It's ex- time to get serious uh, because everyone You're, else is. I know? would say this. Let's go. I will do a deep dive tonight and I will go look at every lock that you've made this, this year, Dan. You have some, in Greg, I can see it on Greg's face. He knows that you have some severely concerning lock scenarios. No, because this me is a favor. just, this is, do I'm the host, so I'll talk endlessly, but like, you have some seriously. Hideous Mark, locks. Do me a favor. No, do I that deep do you a dive favor. and have it on my desk by 9 a.m. I will not deliver it when you ask, and I will not do a deep dive. <laughs> I am. I have already <laughs> suffered through the Chicago Bears. I'm going to bed. All right, good. But you know what I'm talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about, I but it's time don't. to get serious. All right, this is Dan Hansis signing off for Quiet Storm. Nick shook. Shook is like involved with a car crash at the end of every one of these. <laughs> the old boss, Ricky Hollywood, and of course, the mailman. Until Tuesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. 
and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.